No, so maybe we can just start off with uh, maybe you can introduce yourself and tell us a little sure. bit how you got into creating video games. Okay. Um, so my name's Francisco Gonzalez, uh, also known by my internet handle of Grundislav uh, or Grundislav Games. Um, I basically started making games, making adventure games uh, as a hobby in 2001 using a program that I found called Adventure Game Studio, which I downloaded by Googling Adventure Game Maker <laughs> um, and while I was in college because I wanted to find something else to do. Um, and yeah, I, I basically just started playing around with it and I learned how to code in it um, and I started off creating some games for this communal series of, of games uh, that was called Reality on the Norm. Mm -hmm. um, the idea was that it was this... Uh, anybody that wanted to make a game could because the art assets were very, very basic. They were, like, car very kind of cartoony, just, like, not too detailed sprites and backgrounds and stuff. Right. And, you know, it was like there was already this community-created series of art assets, so... You were encouraged to just like create a character and add your own stuff to the to the world, and people like for a while there it was fun because there was a, there was a, you know a few creators that were just kind of like trying to make stories that sort of intersected with other people's games, so that was fun like messing around with that. And what was it that um, you had to offer? Like, was it like were you an artist or programmer? Uh, I. I mean, I, I just tried to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. When I was learning Adventure Game Studio, like, I wasn't, I wasn't really, I had no experience with pixel art or with animation. I just kind of cut my teeth on reality on the norm because mm -hmm. of that style being so simple. And, yeah, I remember drawing backgrounds, too. I mean, I basically just drew the backgrounds, did the character. I, I did everything, uh -huh. essentially. And back then, like, it was fine to just go on some random website and download midis of just like right. nine inch nail songs and stuff and you <laughs> use those as your background um different days huh yeah so that was uh yeah this was like pre-napster um oh really Jeez. So, okay how well, old it was, were you it was, at the time i was uh 18 oh okay or 19 yeah okay. 19 um so yeah i basically just like got my start doing a few of those games and then after i kind of moved away from that i thought well i want to do something that's my own thing so mm -hmm. i came up with the idea to do this uh episodic multi-game series called ben jordan paranormal investigator mm -hmm. about surprise a kid who wants <laughs> to be a paranormal investigator um, is there any reality to I mean, that? <laughs> no 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 not really um I mean, the whole, like, oh, I'm in college and I don't know what I want to do mm -hmm. with my life sort of angst. Yeah, that kind of went in there a little bit. But What what were you doing um, exactly in college? What were you studying for? Uh, well, at the at the start, I was studying the... This was this was before, like, game design was a legitimate uh, uh, studying path sure. in most colleges. Like, I think at the time, the only place you could really go if you wanted to like study video games or anything video game related was full sale in Orlando. Right. And I mean, I was at the university of Florida, but I didn't really want to go to full sale. <laughs> so the university of Florida had a program called digital arts and sciences, which was kind of like a proto. It, it wasn't really focused on games so much. It was kind of like this proto, uh, 
designing digital media uh, art mm-hmm. thing. Right. So, <laughs> I don't even think the program at the time really knew what it was. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, I was I was do I did that for a bit, and then that didn't work out, uh, and so I like changed majors a couple of times, but it's completely unrelated to games. Yeah. But anyway, right. um, yeah, it shapes, yeah, so shapes kind of like your road to getting kind of like figuring out all the stuff that you know uh, <laughs> that you weren't sure what you're gonna do. But yeah, exactly. Anyways, um, but yeah, so the the thing with Ben Jordan was I I didn't want to do like uh. Uh, you know, your typical, like, monster of the week, like, oh, vampires, werewolves, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. Um, so I figured what I wanted to do to kind of make it stand out a little bit was that each game was going to be a separate case, and each case was going to involve some sort of uh, local folklore or legend that was had some basis in quote-unquote reality. Um, so I, it was basically, like, I started off with the skunk ape, which is, like, the Florida Bigfoot, because I... I knew oh, about okay. it, and I yeah, and, you know, it. just yeah. So, so it was just kind of like you know things that were kind of things that that people had or things that existed mm-hmm. or allegedly existed, right? Um. So yeah, so I worked on that for for uh how many years? Uh, eight years, eight years. Wow. Uh, I released the yeah, I, I released the first three games in two thousand four. Because obviously I was just a kid in college yeah. with, with a lot of free time. Um, <laughs> and what was the platform yeah, then, that you had posted on? Like, I mean, you, we didn't have what what you know we have now back then. Oh yeah, sure. Well, yeah, that was just I would just post them to my website and then post a thread on the forums of the Adventure Game Studio oh, uh, website. Okay. okay. So it was very very grassroots distribution. <laughs> right. That's cool. Um, yeah, so they, I mean, like, they have a games database that you can still upload your games to, and, like, that's the easy way to, to find them. Did you make any um, money off of that, or it was completely... No, I did it I did it completely as a freeware thing. I didn't really have any intention of, okay. of so going commercial. Mainly just side pro- like a side project while going to school and trying to get your life Yeah, together. pretty much. Exactly. It was just something to keep me occupied, and it was my hobby. For, okay. It was essentially cool. just my hobby, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so after after I finished school and I went and like you know I kept making the games because I had made the first three and at that point I had decided I wanted to make eight of them. Mm-hmm. I had written out my whole like design. Oh, you knew like Bible, the whole time. Bible. Like oh, I'm gonna make eight of these or. Well, not not to start mm-hmm. after I made the first two because I right. made the first one in like two weeks. Oh, then, really? I mean, it was like a really short little. 15 minute game mm-hmm. it wasn't anything special and the graphics were terrible I, I actually later went back and remade the first two to be a bit more uh, high quality and fit in more with the rest of the series. and at this time are you trying to like figure out things you are you didn't know and try to piece you know the puzzle of making games together not really knowing exactly what you're doing or did you oh absolutely mm-hmm. yeah I was I was still kind of flying by the seat of my pants. I was still just sort of like, well, I played a lot of adventure games. I know how puzzles work. <laughs> Is that you what like pushed you into it? Like what made you keep going? And I mean, because man, I you know, it's I, I don't think anybody would pick up, you know, uh, pick that up and start developing games. You know, just be like, no, this is easy. What are we doing here? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up playing the classics 
uh, you know, all the Sierra and LucasArts games. And I just mm-hmm. always, there was something about adventure games that I just always really liked. The whole concept of, you know, just like playing through the story and just picking up stuff and going on quests for people. And there was just this weird, I don't know, I just thought it was cool. And and ever since I started playing them, I was just like, I, I, I want to kind of, I want to design something like this. Mm-hmm. I want to make something like this. And so, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much just, hey, I, I know I've played enough of these. I kind of have an idea of how the formula works. Mm-hmm. I, I want to try my hat at it, my hand at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah. And, and, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, so basically as the series went along and as I made more games, they took longer also because I was, you know, I was working and, I didn't have as much free time. Right. So I released the seventh game, which had this terrible cliffhanger <laughs> in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't release the last one until 2012 because between one thing and another, I had a nine to five job. I'd come home. I didn't really feel like working on the game. <laughs> right. It took me four years to release the last one, which I think a lot of people were like, what? <laughs> a lot of people were like, you should charge for the last one. I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> So you're like um, 20, 25, 24 at this time, or? Uh, 2008, uh, I would have been, oh god, how old am I? Uh, <laughs> 2008 was uh, 11 years ago, I would have been 26. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, let me do some quick math. Yeah, I was 26. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, so I released the final Ben Jordan game when I was 30. Uh, so that's a milestone. Wow. Um, wow. How, how did it feel, then, sh- you know, shelving that? It, um, it felt really good to finish something that I had started so long ago. Right. Um, that was that was definitely a good feeling. How long but were, then the were same, these games? Oh, um, they, it varied. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, like I said, was about 15 minutes. The second one, they were, they were, you know, you could finish them in about maybe like, two hours right they weren't that's not long. bad as uh, episodic though yeah they were you know it was it was actually i mean it was cool because you know i would spend all this time working on them i'd post about them on the ags forums and like the next day i'd have all these people commenting oh i finished it oh i liked it oh when's the next <laughs> one and i'd immediately be like well gotta make another one <laughs> that's so cool that's that's yeah. nice to have so what yeah. what got you to and i'm gonna butcher the name uh wadjet i so I had met, I actually, quote, in quotes, met uh, Dave from Wajedi okay. through the Reality on the Norm forums. Okay. Um, I met him in person in 2004 because the AGS community also had a, had a yearly meetup that I had wanted to go to but couldn't really get to uh, because it had been internationally held. Uh, it was in a different place, or it's in a different place every year. Right. Um. So the first two years it had been in Europe, but then in 2004, someone in upstate New York offered to host. So I was like, oh, I can go to this. <laughs> so I went there and and that's where I met Dave in, in person. Wow. But then in about 2007, once he had already started Wajidai, uh, he kind of said to me, you know, you really should think about going commercial because you've made a lot of games. You know, you've, you've pretty much done what I've done. You shouldn't have a problem going commercial. So I was like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. As soon as I come up with something, because I was very much about at that time, I was like, I gotta finish the Ben Jordan series. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so, so yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to start something new without finishing this already monumental task I had set for myself. Right. 
Um, so then in about 2008-ish? Yeah, about 2008 or 2009. About the time I've released the seventh Ben Jordan game. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, I would love to... Not, well, he had started publishing other developers' games, and he said, look, if you ever want to publish something i'll be glad to publish something for you and i was like oh wow okay so so now i really gotta think yeah (laughs) it was like oh that's great was that like Um, just the biggest thing that's ever happened to you to tell for someone to tell you that well it was it was definitely exciting to think that i now had a viable option to actually like make a game and get money for it (laughs) and actually make it a career if i chose to yeah um so, yeah, I mean, I didn't go crazy, and I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do games full-time. That that right. came a few years later. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, because so, uh, so at the time, yeah, I was working a full-time job, and I was finishing the Ben Jordan game, and I started thinking of ideas of what I wanted to do, and so I... I I can never explain how I get ideas. They just I just remember getting them. Mm-hmm. But in about 2009, I got the idea for the game, which eventually ended up becoming a Golden Wake, which was my first okay. commercially published game. Oh. Um, so yeah, I finished the. I I kind of had started working on it and putting it together uh, in about I want to say like early to, or late 2011, because I remember the first time I showed it to Dave was in like 2012 at again this AGS meetup which actually was in Anaheim that year. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so um, And what how much you you say you showed it to to Dave um Well, so I ha- showed it at the show and tell. <laughs> we oh, used okay. to have like a show and tell to show off what you were working on. At that point it was like three screens maybe and like you know two characters and just it was a very oh, like okay. so it wasn't very much, much like game. a vertical slice no 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 it was very much just like a vertical slice of like hey look this is what it's going to look like and this is okay. what i want to do with it i see whatever um so yeah at that point i like and then i i remember i had pitched it to him and his wife at gdc that year too so they were like yeah sure this sounds cool so um this was 2012, and then in 2013, I decided that I was finally going to uh, realize another life goal, which was to move to New York for <laughs> because for several reasons. One of them being because I knew that Wajedai was based here, and I was like, well, if I'm going to get my foot in the door, it'd be good to be near. Right. Um, but also just because I had been wanting to move to New York for a while. Okay. So I did that, and um, in 2013. And I was still, I had been working on a Golden Wake sort of off and on in between working my full jo- full-time job. And what, what was your uh, full-time got, job at the, at the time? I was, a, I was an interpreter. I was a legal interpreter. So I got to go and just basically listen to a bunch of people with insurance claims oh, really? and translate Jesus. for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the, it was a, it wasn't the most, uh, I mean, it was it was fine. It was just after a while, I got very jaded and cynical in the legal system. Yeah, uh, you so. coming home at the end of the day, and you're like, God, I just don't even know if I want to. No. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. It's funny. Um, it's funny because you know, uh, indie developers. I'm always they always say that they have. Oh no, I had this job, and then I went indie, and I'm just full time indie now. And it's like funny because. The, those jobs that go along with like the first games they made it's like I, I find that to be like super important on how that it shapes like 
their thinking, especially um, writing wise. Oh, sure. You know, like for instance, you, oh, yeah. like Golden Wake, you're working on a a game based in Florida, and you know, like how does what does that exactly stem from story wise? Well. As a quick aside, to, yeah, uh, to get off track, I just wanted to say to no, 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 oh, no, oh. no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I want to do a quick tangent, just <laughs> okay. fill in your information sure. there. Uh, before, before I was working as an interpreter, which at that point I thought, okay, well, this is my career job right now. Right. Um, I had worked at Starbucks and at Target, so okay. I had done the whole like retail service right, thing, right? Too. Like we all have. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Which actually, my time at Starbucks. It was funny because there was there's a scene in the second Ben Jordan where he goes to like a Starbucks esque mm-hmm. coffee shop. Right. And when I wrote the scene originally in the original version, I, it was like this whole thing like, oh man, I, the, the employee there was like, oh god, I hate this corporate, uh, this this whole like corporate coffee thing. Like, coffee's too expensive <laughs> and this and that. It was like this whole diatribe against the, right. the evil corporate practices of starbucks and i hadn't worked there yet oh really? and then when i yeah and then afterwards when i remade the game after having worked there i kept the scene but i changed it so that the guy was complaining about the customers and it was like this whole thing about how obnoxious starbucks oh customers God, are that's so great because and that i pulled from experience <laughs> but yeah God, that's but anyway to get back to uh your question like yeah so um it's funny because I've I've sort of gotten this uh, this sort of uh, unofficial um, reputation. Well, maybe not so unofficial, but I've gotten this reputation as kind of like the history guy. Mm-hmm. And I always was like, why why do people say that? But now looking back, I realize why. Is this between like much... friends or just on like the forums be- based on your games? I think just in general, like people who play my games and stuff, they see me as like the guy who does the historical fiction stuff. Mm-hmm. Because really, Ben Jordan was, even though it was it was fictional paranormal stuff, it was still based on a, a historical element in the the real life histories of these supposed phenomenon. And obviously, a Golden Wake was pure his- historical fiction, right, and all the other right. games I've done since then have had some sort of historical element to them. Yeah, which so which I guess I you you have in all your games really have a particular yeah. tone that you, that comes to your storytelling, and it's a more serious tone, which I find interesting. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, a bit. I mean, I still yeah, like in, to throw in like a particular way. Jokes, yeah, 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 right. I've yeah, no, I've never done a straight up like parody screwball comedy type thing. <laughs> right. i just don't feel like you're not making monkey island is what i'm trying to say exactly exactly right um but anyway yeah so i, I got the idea because i mean i was i was in miami at the time before i moved to new york i, I grew up in miami and i always thought that the, the history of just florida in its infancy and the the whole like land boom and the idea of like just all these real estate people and con artists coming down and and convincing people to come to this swamp land and buy land and be like this is a tropical paradise (laughs) um it was just always really interesting to me and then just the whole sort of arc of you know things are going great and then all of a sudden there's this big hurricane and then they're trying to recover and just as they're recovering the stock market crashes and the great depression starts and i thought this would make a great backdrop for an adventure game Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's where that stemmed from. Sounds very um, like Chinatown esque, you know, but on the west yeah side. a bit or on the uh, yeah kind of. I mean, on the yeah, it was like I, I mean, 
I want to preface by saying that I'm very happy that I got to make a golden wake. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I'm, I'm still really happy with how it turned out, but you know, hindsight being 2020, like looking back at it, I'm like, if I could go back and remake this, I could make this like so much more like, uh, <laughs> like a noir uh just like real estate southern noir right, thing, right. which should be weird but i mean it's kind of that already because it's got you know the gangsters and everything sure. but um anyway editorializing aside um <laughs> well, yeah so i came to new york all of your games and no, oh god <laughs> no. no um yeah so i came to new york with fully intending to continue working as an interpreter and doing the game development thing on the side until I could, you know, finish it and get it published. But I wasn't really able to find much in the way of work up here. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the plunge. I'm just going to work on this full time. And at that point I was, it was about August or uh, September of 2013. And a golden mm-hmm. Wake came out in October of the following year. So it was, it was only about a year that I had to to really. I mean, I had saved up enough money that I was like, okay, I can I can manage this. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so I finished the Golden Wake and it came out in October and it did okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't going to support me financially. But then Dave said at that point I had already been talking with uh, Ben Chandler, who at that point i think had recently been hired as as the full-time artist for wajedi we had come up with the with the game idea for shard light and so we wanted to work together on shard light and the idea was that we were going to work on it together and that you know dave would publish it right but then he got hired as the full-time artist so dave was like well how are we going to do this because if he's getting paid a salary and then you have to wait for royalties until the game gets <laughs> released there's this disparity thing happening so in the mm-hmm. end he just decided to hire me on as a full-time designer oh, okay. and pay me a salary while we developed shard Light. hey that works out <laughs> um, yeah it worked out great because it meant that i didn't have to go out and get a another so you were officially a uh, full-time game developer at this point I was officially a full-time game developer, wow. which is why Shard Light is a, a Wadget Eye game and not a Grundislav game. Would, would you, at, at this point, do you, right, right. At this point, do you consider yourself lucky or do you think a lot of hard work went into getting to this point? Uh, I always consider myself lucky, but I, I also don't discount the amount of work that I put in yeah. because I did I did have to put in a lot of work. Yeah, um, right. Although I'll I'll put a pin in that because I'll there's a <laughs> bit of the story okay. later that that um that I had a little realization. Um, but yeah, no, I mean I'm I feel that I'm very lucky in that I knew somebody that helped me get my foot in the door. Um, because I wouldn't have had any idea of really where to begin. Right. I mean, I I had kind of. I had built up a pretty good audience from the Ben Jordan games. Like some of the games have over 20,000 downloads. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized very quickly that what people will download for free versus what people will pay for is very, very different. Um, so that's, that's also something to take into consideration. Yeah, how does that work really? Cause I mean, you know, because wouldn't you look at and you know i don't know because i don't put you know put games out there for free or you know games at all but what i'm trying to say is that Mm -hmm. uh uh, when you have an audience look at your game that is out there free to the public versus being Mm -hmm. even just a dollar 
Do you think people are more prone to reach for the freebie than pay that dollar? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to get on a soapbox or anything, but like, you know, it just, it's very apparent. I mean, people have been talking about the indie apocalypse mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but it's very apparent just from how many games there are on Steam, for example, right. the oversaturation of the market yeah. is just to the point where it's very, very difficult to convince people to just put down their money. Like, you know, I all of my games are fourteen ninety nine and below. Right. And to get people to pay, it's only really like the hardcore fans in the first few days that will pay that money. The rest of the people, you know, if there's people who, if a game is not seventy five percent off or more, they won't buy it. So you know, one or two dollars off of for a fourteen ninety nine game originally priced. You know, I mean, ideally you want to get people as many people playing full price as possible yeah you also right. want to get i mean if if it comes to if you're going to have like a huge sale like that and you get thousands and thousands of people buying your game okay it might make up for it in volume mm-hmm. but it's a huge gamble you don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case right i mean and also we live in the time when we'll have triple a games come out and people are like oh don't get it yet it's going to drop like you know yeah. 20 30 dollars exactly. in like a month you know <laughs> exactly. once the reviews get out <laughs> but yeah that, that yeah. must be really tough but not not to yeah. sidetrack you can get back to your oh no war. no yeah so uh where was I? Oh, right. So Golden Wake came out. I got hired as a full-time designer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, that was in that was in late 2014. Uh, worked on Shardlight for a couple of years. Uh, that came out in March of 2016. And uh, before that, like around uh, late 2015 or about 2014, 15-ish, I started getting the idea for Lamplight City. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to... I thought about I wanted to make a game, a detective game where you couldn't, you, it didn't hold your hand, and where it was possible to get things wrong, right. but the game still continued and all that stuff. So I had that idea sort of germinating. Um, so about the end of 2015, uh, I said to Dave, "Hey, look, I've got this other, uh, I've got this game idea, uh, and whatever." And he was like, "Well." Uh, I'd like to publish it, but I'm not going to be able to keep paying you a salary because, you know, things being what they are. And again, the whole indie apocalypse thing, like I'm not going to be able to Mm. keep you on as a full time designer, but I, I still would like to publish it when you're done. So I was like, oh, well, well, all right. sure." (laughs) I mean, I was kind of uh, going back to, you know, day job. I well, I thought it. I thought it might, but thankfully, it didn't. <laughs> okay. uh, it, uh, yeah. See, I've been lucky in that respect. Yeah. Or maybe it's also just because I'm very frugal. Um, <laughs> I've been able to make it work. Right. But anyway, so at that point, I was like, okay, well, uh, just gonna keep working on Lamplight City. So I worked on Lamplight City, and then in 2017, yeah, because Lamplight City came out in 2018. In 2017, um, I had been sending him builds, and he had been playing a little bit of it and everything, and I was starting to kind of get the impression that it wasn't really... We weren't really seeing eye-to-eye on on the development process. Hmm, why do you think that um, was? I think because... Well, my main thing is I... The code name for, uh, 
for Lamplight City internally for me was always Poe Dickens because I always <laughs> thought it was, you know, I, I took inspiration from Edgar Allan Poe and Charles okay, Dickens. Right, I, right. I had a hell of a time coming up with a title for that oh, game, yeah, by the way. Okay. Um, usually <laughs> I, I, I come up with titles fairly quickly, but that one was just, I couldn't figure one out. Right. But thankfully I finally came up with Lamplight City. But anyway, I was making Poe Dickens and I think Dave was expecting Doyle Verne. Okay. Um, and we just, in the end, he was like, listen, I think that what you're trying to do here is fine, it's good, but it's not really the I, what I thought it was going to be, and I think that the changes that I would want you to make would make this a completely different game, so mm. maybe it's better if we just don't go forward with really? this. And I was like, huh. yeah, I, I got that impression, like, I understand that, like, thanks for, you know, respecting my creative vision and not making me, forcing me to make some of these changes mm -hmm. and stuff. Well, in a so way, he put point, you in a tight spot. I mean, not to put anything out there, but... Um, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to come back to. Like, at this point, I felt like it was time for me to actually do the work yeah. that I needed to do. Because right. at that point, I was like, okay, well, now I got to, like, actually do the work and do the hustle and find a publisher and go through what everyone else does. Right. Um, so I did. Uh, I spent about six months looking for a new publisher, and I had some some this close instances, <laughs> which ended up not working out. So it was a very stressful period. Mm -hmm. But in the end, finally, thankfully, I found Application Systems Heidelberg, and they were very nice, and they, they took on the game. And the game came out, and it did pretty good. And then I started making my next game, which is the current one I'm making now, which is Rosewater, Rosewater okay. which is a yeah, it's, which is a western set in the same world as Lamplight City. Okay, um, how does that so in, that's in, is a it in the whirlwind completely of my life? Okay, all right. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, it's funny how just talking for the the last you know what twenty five minutes or so, um, mm. <laughs> going through that history of so many years, and it's funny because. Um, you can you look at your life in a nutshell, but also think about like, man, I mean, this has been how many years you've been a developer? Well, I mean, if we're going from commercial, not, not been, even commercial, just uh, let's say yeah. 18 years old. I mean, it's been. Yeah, well, it's been it's been 18 years since uh, since I started doing it as a hobby. It's been uh, five years since I went commercial. Wow. So wow. In the yeah. in these five years. What do you think has been your greatest lesson for making video games? Uh, learning about perspective. <laughs> and by that, I mean art perspective. <laughs> okay, and, and elaborate a bit. What do you mean? No, I'm, I'm kidding. That's probably not my greatest lesson, but it has helped. Well, before when I would draw backgrounds, I would just kind of just eyeball them and draw them however. And right. then I learned about proper perspective and like using perspective <laughs> grids and stuff so now actually i feel i finally like a golden wake i did all the art for mm -hmm. um and you know it was okay right but i, lo I look back on it i'm like oh god there's some terrible stuff <laughs> in here. well you know even um, from like lamplight to rose what your uh, screens you've shared with rosewater there's like very like pretty big changes um just oh, the look of the you. game yeah. and it's like it's weird because some people they just kind of keep with the same like style and they don't really shy away from it too much but um yeah well it, that's the thing 
I don't really feel like I've really shied away from sure. any particular style. Like I'm that's well, that's the thing too. I've kind of been pushing myself because a Golden Wake was three twenty by two hundred resolution. Damn. Lamplight City. I didn't do the art for Shardlight. That was Ben. Mm-hmm. That was also three twenty by two hundred. Okay. But I learned a lot about like his style and how he worked from because I would do I would do the, like the placeholder sketches to build the game and then he would paint the the backgrounds mm-hmm. based on my sketches. Right. Um. So Lamplight City was 640 by 400, so I doubled the resolution there. And then I was actually drawing them at like 960 by 600 and then scaling them down so they would still have that Jesus. sort of pixely look. I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> that I did. That sounds like more work than it needed to be. <laughs> on one hand, it was, but on the other hand, it was actually really good because it prepared me for working at the higher ah, resolution of Rosewater. Because now with Rosewater, I'm working at... 1280 by 720 but i'm painting them and leaving them at that resolution i'm not doing any downscaling do you think your uh like painting technique has changed since then or do you think it's really on it oh absolutely okay all right no i i think it's changed in that i mean the resolution thing i don't i don't know it's just using bigger brushes right but as far as like actually thinking about composition and thinking about like where i'm going to put stuff and just like you know, the rule of thirds and perspective and all that stuff, like, I've become much more aware of that stuff. And I think that as a result, like, I'm not tooting my own horn, Mm -hmm. but I definitely think that I feel like I've finally improved enough that I can say, yeah, I drew this. Like, Lamplight City was the first game that I drew the art for that I thought actually looked serviceable. Oh, yeah. Um, Rosewater, I think, actually is starting to look good no I, I you know i don't be so i don't think so i think in five years you're gonna be like oh man i just should have uh I, i'm gonna remake oh absolutely <laughs> oh are you kidding no absolutely i'm fully expecting that too uh, but but i finally have that sort of self-confidence yeah. where when i finish backgrounds in rosewater i'm like yeah this is this is good i can do this is fine yeah I'm, that's yeah good. of course that's i don't good. doubt i don't even think it's gonna be five years it'll probably be like <laughs> six months down down the line, I'm going to be like, oh, God, what was I thinking? I'm going to want to redo all the backgrounds right? I've already done. I guess we do see, but, like, remasters of games within only, like, five, six years. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But have you have you played... I mean, I, I, I don't know how big of an adventure game fan you are, but uh, have you played The Curse of Monkey Island? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah, so I... I one year at GDC, I met Bill Tiller, who did all the art. Oh, really? That. And like, okay. I've always loved those backgrounds. Oh. Like, I think it's beautiful. It's my favorite Monkey Island. Well, I was just for many just reasons, talking but... to somebody about it because um, we were talking about just the complete art style turnover from um, mm. the previous Monkey games, the pixelated art, because that's mm-hmm. like you know, technology could only give so much at that time, but. Um, right, right. That's like an interactive cartoon, and for like artists, I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine how uh, uh, in- influential that game was. You know. Oh yeah, that's that was a super influential game yeah. art wise. I'm, I'm, yeah. But anyway, I, I met Bill Tiller, and I and I told him, I'm like, I was like, oh, I really loved your work on Curse of Monkey Island. Like it was great, and he's like, I hate it. I wish I could go and draw it all <laughs> over again. I'm like, that's spoken like a true artist. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring Lucas Lucas Arts back, and then no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, man. Yeah. No. I and you know. I think that's what an artist is. You know. I think they're always mm. uh, reinterpret uh, maybe their previous works in a different fashion. You know. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's what makes an artist good, though. You know. Yeah. I think if you're just sitting around 
um so, you know someone let's say someone like makes ice cream for a living and they're like damn this is the best ice cream i've ever had and it's i'm not gonna have anybody else's ice cream it's like well i mean you know you gotta have some humility you know <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely but i think it goes for any discipline yeah not just, i think so not just the arts i mean like you know for the pro i mean well programs programming is a different story because programming i always feel like i'm terrible at it and i always end up swearing anytime <laughs> i have to do something complex by the way what, as far what, as like art what kind of programming is that anyway what type of code oh ags it's it's based on c sharp okay. it's object oriented scripting i see um so it's i mean i've looked at like code for for unity and things like that and it's not too different mm-hmm. okay um but again, it's the only coding experience I have is the 18 and years of using that's AGS. That's a whole different ballgame. I mean, at 18, yeah. what were you doing to learn how to make the games you were making at the time? Well, at the time, out. AGS was still a DOS-based engine. Oh, the Windows engine didn't come in until, <laughs> I want to say, 2003 wow. or 2002. It was. I made the Ben Jordan games. Uh, in the Windows engine. Okay. But I made the reality on the norm ones mostly for DOS. And it had, it had the ability to, to do, uh, scripting, mm-hmm. but it also had graphic based scripting. So it was like you would click, you would define your, you, basically you would like, it still works oh, yeah, this yeah. way. I, you, I know what you mean. You have a, yeah, you have a room, you load the background, mm-hmm. you have a drop down tab that lets you pick like, you know, walkable areas or walk behinds, and you you draw them on okay, to the background. Okay, I see. So you're it, and same. You're allowing a pathway that is like uh, computed by the uh, um, system. by the the pathfinder. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you basically define the areas where you can walk to, the paths where you can walk to, and stuff. And same goes for hotspots. Like you draw just a giant, you know, rectangle or shape or whatever over whatever hotspot it is. Mm-hmm. And then when you, you have the script where it's like, okay, if you click on the hotspot, then this happens. Okay. And like now I code, I script that all. Right. But before it was like, you could click on the graphical script and it was like, well, what happens if this? And you would just like click on an icon and say, <laughs> okay, we'll do this and this and this. Okay. So that's kind of how I learned how to build the games and build the logic. But then as it changed and that sort of went away, I had to learn scripting, and thankfully, the AG, uh, AGS has always been very, very well documented. Okay. It has a very, very useful manual, and it has uh, it actually has a thing where if you highlight a, a, a command sure. and you press F1, it'll find it for you in the manual. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so just from reading the manual and figuring things out, that's kind of just how I taught myself. And over the years, you've just gotten better and better at it then. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, that's the thing. Once you have pretty much learned the basics, you're set because there isn't really that much outside of the basics mm-hmm. that you really need to make an adventure game unless you right, want to get super okay. ambitious. And I haven't really gotten super ambitious. <laughs> Sorry about that. I forgot the silence. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, no, but, you know, yeah. jumping into, uh, I don't know, like an RPG or something would be a different story, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, that, an RPG, of course, would be different because you'd have to worry about, like, combat mechanics right, and right. stat Systems tracking and, and things yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, you know, it's hard to paint a picture, especially when, you know, you're coming in from a player's stance, you know, when you're mm. making these games. Because 
you feel that some of these systems, um, like you said, much like the graphic, um, uh, what would you call it? But you were talking about like painting the uh, like the walkway and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. you think it's more mm-hmm. that way in pro programming when pe- when developers talk about it, but whole different ball game. Yeah, but um, yeah. So what what can you tell a little bit about Rosewater, like the story and what it's about? Yeah, so Rosewater is a Western drama um, set in the same world as Lamplight City, and I want to emphasize it's a Western drama because I've noticed that most if not all uh, Western point and clicks that I can think of are all comedies. They kind of mm-hmm. go the blazing saddles route. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm doing a drama, uh, and it is a story about a treasure hunt. Uh, you play as a woman named Harley Legere, who, if you played Lamplight City, she's the sister of the dead partner oh, okay. from Lamplight City. Cool. Um, and she's in the Western part of Vespuccia, which is this alternate America in 1850. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's set six years after Lamplight City. Okay. And she comes to this little town of Rosewater hoping to get a job with a publisher of a local paper because she's like a writer satirist. Um, and she also has a bit of a secret past, which will be revealed ah, in game, okay, of course. Because cool. you, you always have to have a secret oh, past. Oh, sure, right? of course. Um, People aren't going to play it otherwise. <laughs> of course, of course. So anyway, the, um, the basic... The uh, gist of the story that I can say so far is that she she gets assigned a story which ends up leading her to uh, team up with a group of of uh, treasure seekers who go looking for the the fortune of a missing man. And uh, in the course of their adventure, there are twists and turns and all sorts of shenanigans. Mm, okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, it's you open yourself up to like the Western frontier and it's like all these different type of characters come out of the woodwork, you know, just thinking about it oh, yeah. because it's like, yeah, it is an alternate reality in, in a sort of way because it's like a past that we're so unfamiliar with. So I couldn't imagine, yeah. the, uh, you know, the creative stuff you've thought of once uh, making this game. Well, one of the fun things is since it is an alternate history and since it does have that steampunky kind of element to mm-hmm. it, um, is being able to take kind of the classic tropes of the Western or just like Western fiction and sort of look at it through that lens of, of alternate history yeah. steampunk. Like, I, I don't want to say too much without giving anything away, but like, there's, yeah, what can I say without... Well, I do want to say that there's not going to be any giant mechanical spiders. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> okay. Good, good. Thank God. <laughs> but, oh my uh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you mean Will Smith isn't but, in this uh, game? No, oh. he's not. I, Damn he, I, couldn't, I couldn't afford him even if I tried. <sighs> oh, <wow>. um, <laughs> But I will say, like, in Lamplight City, I sort of had the, the whole thing with, like, ethericity and, like, the, the alternate energy source and stuff as a background thing and there was this kind of like political intrigue about like you know the the election between like the 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 guy who was the the uh representative of like you know he wanted to push the future forward and he wanted to advance steam tech and then there was like the populist no they're gonna take all your jobs guy um and that was kind of just like background world building stuff mm-hmm. in Lamplight City and it still is in Rosewater but it figures into the main plot 
significantly more. Okay, so I, I don't I don't want to say I'm like going I'm leaning full in. I don't want to say I'm going full steam ahead. Uh, <laughs> oh my uh, god! Uh, <laughs> goodbye. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> but um, but it's definitely it definitely has more of a presence than it did in Lamplight City, which which I'm looking forward to because I'm I not super in familiar. Well, I wasn't really super familiar with like steampunk going into Lamplight sure. City, but I feel now that I've sort of established my own universe and my but own what exactly what is exactly is being familiar with steampunk rather than you know having throwing a little bit of electronic spice into a time where it what, didn't <laughs> exist right well i think it's i think it's just basically being aware of what the tropes and what is expected from okay. a steampunk story you know um which in the end it turns out it's basically just what i was kind of going for anyway the whole idea of like the class divides and the working class and the worries about uh you know, steam. It's it was actually very, very similar to the actual industrial revolution, oh, really? which is kind of the, the slant the I gave it. History ma- major that you're coming exactly out again. <laughs> exactly. I was. I no surprise. I was a history major for you. Oh, really? Okay. Um, not enough time <laughs> to actually say. Oh, I was a history major. But <laughs> right. I, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. But yeah. So so it's been really fun to like come up with stuff and. It's 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 on one hand it's kind of frustrating because I really want to talk about the game and I really want to show as much as yeah. possible to get people talking about it and get people hyped. Right. But on the other hand, this time around, I'm uh, just uh, I'm trying to like do something a little different. Where usually when I design games and I write them, I do it all on the fly and I make it up as I go and I like do it all within AGS. Mm. Whereas this time I. I mean, I usually have a design document and a world bible thing, right. but this time I actually sat down and designed like the puzzles and everything on paper. On paper. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, before I even started building the is, game, and I'm doing. I'm is the way planning you on doing the same thing. Come to these games. Now you said you you start like working in AGS, but um, mm-hmm. so are you saying in this game that you're going to work out the story more on paper before you really get into the uh, actual? Like building it, the whole world's on. ABS. Yes. Okay, I see. Yeah, exactly. And I'm planning on writing all the dialogue and everything before I build it as How well. How far along so that do you way, think you are? Uh, well, I've designed. The game is split into three acts plus like a, not an epilogue, but like a little final section. Okay. And I've designed the first and the third, and part of the epilogue. Okay. I still need to do the second act. So you, you so. still you already have your outline and everything, though. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I started off with the outline, and then I went and I fleshed it out a little bit, mm-hmm. and then now I'm just refining it before I start building anything. Okay. But yeah, so on the one hand, I want to like show off as much as possible, but really, all that I've done as far as like art and animation and stuff is just like the very beginning of the first act, and. Yeah, it's like the screenshots I've shown, the first screenshots I showed were just, you know, around the town and, mm-hmm. you know, it was basic Western stuff. And now I'm like, and the second part of, or a little further down in Act 1, I'm like doing a, sec- a separate section and I've been showing screenshots of that and people have been like, oh, this looks cool. Oh, okay. But I'm like, there's so much cooler stuff that's coming <laughs> that I can't show you yet because I haven't drawn it yet. <laughs> but 
And that's the other thing too. Like I'm hesitant to release too many screenshots because I feel like it's going to be more of the same in the same area, and people are going to think, "Oh, this is the same area." Like what? But I got to get out of my head about oh, that. Okay, but yeah, I like see. at some point, I'll have enough uh, enough of a difference in screenshots to be like, "Wow, this game is really big <laughs> and really diverse." Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's yeah. cool. Anyway. I'm going to pitch a character to you. In Ro- oh. this is he's gonna be a prospector in in Rosewater, and uh, oh man, he, uh... oh wow, you... well I don't want to burst your <laughs> bubble, but I've already got oh no, I've already throw got... it away, uh, throw but... it away. No no no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I want to hear your idea. I want to hear your idea. Well, Maybe I can take the some. puzzle. <laughs> he's a, a character that can work into a puzzle because let's say there was like okay. a crime or maybe there's this gold you're talking about um, that he knows about, but. He's got really bad hearing from all of the the dynamite explosions in the mines that uh-huh. he he only uh-huh. has heard bits and pieces of uh, of <laughs> the, uh, the puzzle, and you have to get uh-huh. it out of him to figure out to connect to what each thing that he's heard. And he'll talk That's like actually, this. That, well, <laughs> well, actually, um, again, I don't want to give too much away, yeah, yeah. but. There, I have said that there is a character from Lamplight City that I'm going to bring back as a prospect. Oh, uh, but yeah, interesting. So, so, and yeah. this is six years after you said, or six years? Yeah, okay, yeah, because Lamplight City was set in 1844, right. and this is set in 1850. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and so will you? Will players feel that they would have to play Lamplight City before they play Rosewater? No, 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 no. I mean, there'll be, obviously, there'll be references to, like, the world at large and, like, people... Oh, there's a really, really stupid joke that I want to put in there (laughs) that I'll I'll tell you off the air. Okay. Uh, Or, wait, are we recording this, or are you transcribing? I'm recording, I uh, can... Okay, no, 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 just just wanted to make sure. (laughs) I didn't know if you were just, like, writing notes or something. (laughs) Sometimes I've talked to people, and they're like, oh, I'll write my article. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, This is going up on my website, and nobody sees. Not this guy. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tell you off the record. Um, But, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, there'll be, be, like, references and stuff to the world at large, but it's not going to be like it's not a direct sequel so you won't have to have played lamplight city okay. to to appreciate all right i mean you'll get more out of it if you played lamplight city and i would love if more people played lamplight city and more people bought lamplight city but mm-hmm. you know you don't have to have done it so okay <laughs> you should just make it very obvious that you should have played lamplight city just so you can make more money off of it i'll just put a big <laughs> pop quiz at the beginning that you can only <laughs> solve if you played lamplight city and if you don't with yeah. a big buy, a or buy maybe button that directs you to... <laughs> yeah, I can figure out how to pro- code it so that it checks if you have Lamplight City oh, installed you on your system. And if you don't, you, there no, you that's go. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, let's, uh, you know, let's kind of end the podcast by... I'm going to ask you what um, your biggest... Uh, what you've learned the most from making games and uh, to, to be able to give pointers to fellow developers. Uh, is this developer game developers at large or specifically? Um, at large, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, shape it how you want, because I, I'm okay. going to say at large, small and okay. little, I mean, not small and little Jesus, um, small and big, because <laughs> uh, I feel like, any uh, any background can have a different perspective on development. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. 
I think, well, no, I, I think I have some advice that applies universally, mm -hmm. for sure. Okay. Um, and that is to be very aware of your scope. Um, if you're just starting out, you have the temptation. I know I had it. Everybody seems to have the temptation to make, like, the next huge epic. Mm -hmm. But that's just a recipe for disaster because things happen. Life gets in the way. You know, you want to start small. And I think starting small and learning as much as you can, even if it's just, like, a one room game or a one or a 10 minute experience or something just to be able to say yeah i started something and i finished it and i know what i had to do to do it and then just kind of as you keep working on more things just take what you've learned and multiply it by however long you're going to give yourself so once you do have enough experience and once you get to the point where you are going to make a game that's going to be you know, a 10-hour experience or, or more, um, you can look back and say, okay, yeah, I, I, I can handle this. I can do this. Mm, okay. You know, because, like, just taking me as an example, like the first Ben Jordan game that I made in two weeks that was a 15-minute game, right. being able to do that back then, you know, that, that, was, was, that was where my skill level was. Like, I would never be able to make a project of the scope of Lamplight City or Rosewater. Like, that would have been insane to me. Whereas now I'm just like, yeah, I can do this. I know like how to ben, do this. Like, Ben fine. Jordan was almost like baby steps because, yeah, it was... Episodic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it totally was. That's cool. So, yeah, that's my general advice. Okay, cool. I think we're gonna... And my advice specifically for adventure game developers is... Please don't make your character a sociopath <laughs> unless the story calls for it. Because I've seen way too many adventure games where the main character's supposed to be relatable or mm -hmm. likable, and then they're just like causing all this horrible harm inadvertently to other people. And it's like, okay, like, you know, in Monkey Island 2, it's fine because Guybrush is a pirate. <laughs> like, pirates are not good people. They're, you know, he's putting rats in soups to get people fired. He's like, you know, doing all these horrible things. <laughs> But if it's supposed to be like, you know, a nice, relatable average but Joe. But that, that's the know, thing about Monkey, though, is like Guybrush is such a screw up that people just tolerate him. And so right. and he literally has to talk people into like being part of his crew or, you know, helping him out right. because he's such a huge screw up. And so there's like a satire sure. to that. But yeah, I totally get what you mean. I've, I, I won't name certain games, but... Um, yeah, I they have either. protagonists <laughs> that um, you're just like, how the hell am I supposed to connect to this person that's yeah. such a dick? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I mean that's that's basically, you know, that uh, adventure games I think could get away with it a lot more in the early days, mm -hmm. but now people expect more of a a story and more of a connection with the characters and stuff. So if you have a protagonist who's totally unlikable, you're like, well, why would I want to be this guy yeah. or girl? Right. You know, why would I do that? So, yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a, uh, you know, it's like balancing on a tightrope um, when it comes mm. to writing your protagonist, because that sounds like something that would be very hard to put somebody in a position to where you kind of have to look at um, how they're going to be looked at as a player if right. on a player's perspective you know mm -hmm. so that's really interesting all right cool well mm. i think that answers all my questions and cool i appreciate you taking out the time it's been almost an hour and <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah i appreciate it
Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for talking. Yeah, thanks again. And I, I hope yeah. to talk to you in the future and I'll see you around the interwebs. All right. All cool. right. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Right. Bye.